When chaos begins to emerge in our world, where can we go to remind ourselves of hopeful humans that are helping to create a more compassionate world? Each month in the Restorative Pulse podcast, tune in as we feature thought leaders creating innovation, innovative change in our world and in our systems, from the macro level to the micro level, in our schools, healing spaces, and beyond. I'm Julie Johnson, founder of Integrate Network, and this is the Restorative Pulse podcast. Julie Johnson, um, founder of Integrate Network and the Restorative Pulse podcast. And um, this is season two, episode six, seven, 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 episode seven. And today we have um, Anna Salas on the podcast and um, we're talking about grief this season. So everyone's kind of talking about it in their own way and in their own work. And Anna has just a really cool background on grief that um, we've been, uh, that she and I have been talking about off of, you know, off of Instagram and just kind of through um, DMs and just seeing her work. So we're really excited to have Anna on and to just talk more about her work as a, and training as a um, massage therapist that works with grief and um, the fascial system and her training, her newly, her tra- completed training as a death doula, a death companion, like that's cool. So really excited to talk about it. So, all right, Anna, go ahead. We're so excited to have you on here to hear your, uh, your very in- heartfelt um, perspective and narrative around grief. Thank you, Julie. I'm so happy to be here. I'm Anna. So um, as Julie mentioned, I do massage therapy um, full time. I teach yoga and then I just became a death companion. So that's really exciting to be able to combine the three things um, in doing death work and helping people with their grief. Cool. Um, So let's talk a little bit more. Hold on a second. I just lost my questions. There we go. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your massage and grief. So this is, I think this is probably what I hit on in every single, so far, every single, because because I work with so many body workers, you know, so yeah. like there's so <laughs> many body workers in my life. Um, and so grief in the body. And I can't wait to hear your perspective about it because I've heard everyone else like comes, has a different spin on it, depending on their own profession and worldview, but I can't wait to, you're the first one I've heard about grief in the body from like a fascial perspective. So I'm really excited to hear your perspective on that. Like, tell me what, what's like, what's, how, how do we hold grief in the body from like your lens of the world as a massage therapist and yoga teacher? I know I could talk about fascia like all day long. Right. I love it. <laughs> I know. <me laughs> when too. I did my yoga teacher training, I'm like, I just kept thinking the massage therapist and me would like come out. <laughs> so it was really fun too. Cause my yoga teacher is awesome. And she always let me like give a massage therapist like point of view. Like when we were doing yeah. that, like, well, yeah. oh, well, if he did this, then do that. <laughs> but right. I just love yeah. we store so much in our body. Like just like the book, The Body Keeps Score, it really does. Mm-hmm. And I always think of the body as a container. I always tell this to my clients um, because every life experience we have, every emotion, every traumatic experience, all the grief, we store that in our tissue. And it's kind of like, I do have a bin like under my bed 
and I store things just like in important papers or like extra shirts. I keep storing things, they go on top. And after a while, I'm like, I don't even know what's in there until I start pulling things out. So I think mm -hmm. of the body like that too, because once you start receiving body work or even just moving your body, stretching, having some kind of ritual like that, you start to have emotional releases. And sometimes they can be really pleasant. You can start laughing and have a memory that comes up. Sometimes you can just start crying and not really know where that's coming from. And it's because so much is stored in the deep layers of the tissue. The connective tissue, once we like move them through movement or massage, a lot of that does get released. And so I always, you know, let my clients know, especially when I'm doing deep tissue work, that's where a lot of emotions come up, um, especially I do work with a lot of injuries. And so a lot of people think of their injury as like a medical condition. Um, mm -hmm. But besides that, there's so much trauma that goes in mm -hmm. with the surgery, you know, taking the time off, the things you're missing out on because say you have a shoulder wrist surgery and then, you know, you're not able to go kayaking like you normally do or, you know, play with your kids and lift them up. So there's so much um, of what you're missing out on that those emotions are stored. So then when I'm doing a recovery treatment on someone's shoulder, they're like, I don't know why I'm so emotional. And, and I kind of talk them through, like our body does store the emotions and the way our body heals, especially after a surgery, our tissue goes into protective mode. Mm -hmm. So like the connective tissue starts going like across kind of in a cross fiber um, to protect mm -hmm. the muscle. And so once you work that out, so much comes out with it. So I always keep a box of tissues like in my massage room that's really close and just make it a safe space. And I always tell people like it is their space. It's their hour or two hours, however long the session is. So mm -hmm. if they want to talk about it, what's coming up, they're welcome to. And I'm just there to listen and, you know, not diagnose or go out of my scope of practice. But if they, you know, don't want to talk about it, that's absolutely fine too. So mm -hmm. it's always been really interesting. Yeah. And yeah, no, 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 keep going. You're, you're good. I was going to say like, so essential oils. I don't know how you feel about essential oils, but I love them. I personally I do. use them. I do, too. <laughs> no, I do too. I mean, like, I think that there's different, you know what I mean? Like when it comes down, I know there's a lot of like my, anything with that from like a, the trauma, whatever is it? The trauma informed protocol stuff. Here's what it comes down to for me. I'm like, if you give consent, and I realize that there's, I've heard every argument about the underlying psychology, psychology of, of consent ever. I've heard it all. I was like, I think not heard it all, but I've heard like, if you give them a choice to not use it, like, great. Give them an opportunity to discreetly say no or whatever. Okay. Like, that's it. That's fine. You know, like, that's okay. Absolutely. You, you know, let them make an empowered choice. Like that is the most like amazing thing you can do, right? Like that's just my, not to go off on the, on a, on a tangent. It's just kind of like a, I, I hear a lot of people who are like, you can't use this, you, you can't use essential oils because they're a trauma survivor. I'm like, okay, we are creating a false narrative around trauma survivors who also ex can't experience grief probably are, you know, chances are absolutely experiencing grief, not to like pathologize, but the chances are highly likely, you know, that there's some grief going on, ambiguous loss going on too, right? With the average, you know, person going PTSD symptoms, you know? So I just don't like stories. Like when people are like, you know, start being like, we start creating narratives around like people with histories of trauma, because like, who had, who's, who's experience and nervous system experience is the same. That's, it's just very ableist and I don't like that. So Absolutely. I, so that's why I'm always like, 
instead of saying, yeah, so it's, it's about empowered choices. So yeah, as long as like, I love it, as long as you're doing any, and, like anything though, are you doing it from the realm of even yoga? Are you giving them another choice to do something else besides yoga? Just give people choices to do or not do something, you know? So yes, Absolutely. but I like it for myself. <laughs> so. And to trust your own body too. Cause with that, like I have done just like quick aromatherapy training or I've read books and books will say, use this, use that, you know? And of course there's some things that can promote relaxation, can pro promote um, creativity, but nobody knows your body like you. And certain yeah. smells can have certain memories, you know, like lavender might be super relaxing for one person, but you know, I do have clients that are like, I can't do lavender because I'm going through a divorce and my wife loves lavender and that just kind of yeah. triggers emotions. So I always um, offer aromatherapy um, and I always have a selection, but I always talk to the people too, even if I work on them every single week, like I always tell them like, oh, do you want to do this or this? Because you just never know what kind of memory is stored with certain smells. You know, it's funny you say that because I was actually thinking of that today because I love, so like the kind of grief I am going through currently is like ambiguous loss or, you know, kind of that kind of a thing right now. I'm, I'm going through it in very weird ways and it's coming up in very odd, interesting, not odd, interesting ways for me personally. But one of the things that I love about it that's helping me kind of get through it is aromatherapy. Like for me, it's it's coming through right now with um, um, incense, right? There's this Nag Champa and patchouli. I, I know, don't laugh. Like, I was like, it's like college days, right? But like, I love patchouli. You know, like, <laughs> me too. I was like, sometimes when I do that, they're like, okay, when, you know, where's your... <laughs> Where's your hip, you know, the hippies coming out, but like, um, but you know, like, but those, but that red, that I have good memories from those smells. And so I burned them, you know, and they help re resonate, help me just like find a sense of joy or even a sense of calm, I, not even calm. Um, I don't even know a sense of presence of some kind, um, with those smells in particular. So that's just an example of my life right now that where I'm not just kind of in this, like, what's the next terrible shitty choice I have to make for the school system you know? <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> like, because like for anyone that's a leader I'm just say I'm just you know use what you want with aromatherapy like take what you need to leave the rest behind you know but like one thing I love about it right now is someone who has to make lots of shitty choices every day um in a you know just in a leadership position is like it's just nice. It's a nice break to like, you're not like lo looming around. You're like, Oh, what's the next shitty decision I have to make? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just like a nice mental break for yourself. that You can just give yourself and, and just put in your space. You know, you're like, I don't have to make a crappy choice right now. Yay. You know? Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that's, so it's been really good for me right now, especially like since I'm working in my house a lot, my kids are home, you know, they're all doing various kinds of at home learning, you know? So yeah. So that's kind of my, my two cents. So yeah. So I love it. I think it's great, but I also, I think everyone, you know, like you said, like you give it, you put it in a container and you're of empowered choice making and knowing yourself. And here's the other thing too, is you know, sometimes people don't know what they don't know, right? Like if you've never had an experience with, um, I don't know, there's a lot of essential oils I've never had experience with, right? But if someone's like, do you like geranium? Like, 
I'll be, I'll probably, I'd be probably be prone to be like, yeah, let's try it. And I'd be, then I'd be like, oh, it's too sweet for me. You know, I, I would like, now I say no to geranium because a massage therapist did use it on me in pre COVID days. And it was like super sweet. I don't like super sweet smells, but I tried it. Mm-hmm. And like, and yeah. then she was like, oh, let's, and then she sprayed me with something to take the aroma off. And she was like, let's try, you know, like she, she ended up putting, I think some lavender on me, which was fine. So like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, but so you don't know what you don't know. Right. That's why I like yeah, giving absolutely. people options. And now when I'm off for geranium, I'm like, mm, or, or yangling too, too sweet for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> Langling is better when it's mixed with something like, okay. it does really well with like orange or like lemon, but with, like straight up it's too yeah. perfumey for me personally. Oh I sometimes will put a dab on my like hand or finger because yeah. it smells so different when it touches the skin too. Like if yeah. someone is like unsure, I'm like, here, I smell it. And you know, I always give them that kind of option. I stopped diffusing it though. I diffuse it in my house everywhere, but in the room, just because I have so many different clients coming through. So that way it's yeah. pretty, you know, scent neutral. Like, so that way yeah. they have the choice and it's not leftover lavender from the session before. So, mm-hmm. but I do love, especially working it in the hands, the hands and the feet are like portals of the body. So it can mm-hmm. like sink in and work really well too. Cause I, I do love to do um, like compassionate and like nurturing holds in the hands and feet extra work there, especially when someone is grieving, which I actually yeah. got to do yesterday. I worked on a grieving client um, yesterday that had gone through losing a child and they're in the process oh. of having another child. And so mm-hmm. this pregnancy, they're carrying so many of, the emotions from, you know, losing their past child. And so we did a lot of, you know, work in the hands and I, I am definitely a blender. I never do straight up the deep tissue. Like I always have like some nurturing, like Swedish and like, I throw in some like Reiki just because I love to make sure we do some calming things for the body rather than just kind of release that deep tissue, open up the fascia and like leave them with the emotions. Right. Like, do things right. that are calming. And there's so many good pressure points, you know, and I'm especially with um, working with the breath too especially since, you know, grief is house in the lungs. It's, it's really nice to do like breath work. Um, and as well as on the table, just kind of breathing through the session and, you know, working with the client's breath. Totally. Totally. Um, what's it called? Um, look at your next, our next thing. So like, how do you feel like grief shows up in people's like feet? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just asking because reflexology, like that's kind of, sorry. I, I, like, I love reflexology <laughs> and in, well, and in Chinese medicine, or in China, which I get a lot of, and I study a little bit of the meridians, you know, with Sarah Powers, which we talked about in my, the last podcast we published, you know, like I'm always interested in, do you, like, how do you sense, do you sense people's grief and like their feet? Because we're like, because from that perspective, like um, we always pull up energy and things from the earth, from like a Chinese medicine perspective or just, sorry, Ch- yeah, Chinese medicine, like in, in Taoism, that's kind of the perspective. So like, do you think there's like a, like a connection there, like between your, you know, I'm just wondering from like a fascial sense, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Absolutely too. And the way we stand in our body is so different, you know, like, cause we just feel heavy, you know, when we're carrying those emotions. So I find like the feet hold a lot of that too, because that heavy feeling of being like in the arches. So I always like, will go to the arches and I'll just give like some extra love and whether people want to wear it, because some people prefer to have their socks on and they prefer pressure points because they're like ticklish or some people want right. like, hot oil or lotion on their feet. Um, but I always give them that option. And some people are like, oh, wow, do more work on my feet. I didn't realize how sore I was there. I didn't realize I had so much tension there, but it's just that heavy feeling of putting so much extra weight on your feet because your posture is different. Right. And 
the back yeah. of the legs too, like the calves hold a lot too. So even if someone isn't like hiking or walking or expecting it to be sore, there's so much in the, the calves too. And then definitely in the chest because being oh. hunched over and just like that, that posture. So like when you open that up to so many emotions come up too. So I actually try to um, work on the chest as much as I work on the backside of the body, the shoulders. I always start with the chest and then I go into the, the shoulders after too. So those are like kind of my, my four spots is like chest, shoulders, um, neck and feet. Those are like my, my go-to spots usually, but of course, you know, everyone's different, but there's usually so much that's held in there. And if people are open to it, I love working the ears and the scalp because just like being in the fetal position, there's so many good pressure points in the ear too. So it's going back to being a baby, being nurtured and being soothed yeah, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm 200% right with you on that one that's those are such and all those points are absolutely right on um okay so let's talk a little bit about grief as like a um normalizing the concept of grief like um you know that's that's one of the reasons we're spending so much time around it you know as a platform as you know we've talked a lot of I feel like COVID-19 is definitely brought it up not and not just because people are passing away you know we have we've lost 400,000 people, you know, to COVID in a year, which is like un- unreal um, and like such a tragedy. Um, but also, um, what was I going to say? But also, we've also had like the ambiguous loss and the, um, what, what, did, what did your, what did that person call shadow? What's it called? Shadow loss. Shadow loss. Yes. Um, and like, so there's a lot of that going on. So like, one, can you tell it? Because I haven't got, gone into her research yet, but like I know you just finished her course, so because I think a lot of people are going through shadow loss. That's why I'm bringing it to the attention in 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 this part, and I didn't know I was going there until I started talking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like the concept of of shadow loss and normalizing these different kinds of grief we're talking through. So can you talk about shadow loss a little bit since you just got out of that course? Yeah, Colin Perry is amazing. So I definitely recommend people looking at her TED Talk too. Um, but it's it's nice because she gives people something to put a name to it because we're all experiencing something. You know, whether you've lost a child or you've lost a loved one, um, you're going through a divorce, anything like that, like we're all experiencing some sort of loss. And there's not something to put a name to it when, you know, it's not a dead body or you know, losing a loved one, but these different experiences too that we're going through. And I love um, that shadow loss is being brought into the conversation by her too, because, you know, even getting ghosted by someone or, you know, going through a breakup, all these hard feelings, it's very similar process for the body and the nervous system as it is when you are processing the death of someone. Absolutely. The way your body breathes is very similar too. So I think that's all really interesting too, because I don't think we're talking about, I mean, with COVID, this is, it's, we're sitting here right now having this conversation too, um, but COVID's really helped kind of people bring up the topic too, because our culture, you know, tells us don't talk about grief, don't talk about loss, don't talk about death, be strong, don't cry. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, like even, even for me, you know, I've noticed like, so we made the decision this is probably, like this is just my current experience with grief by the way so um so like right now I'm 
like we made the decision this week to like go ahead and homeschool my son for ne- the next school year um which like I can't even believe I'm, I made that decision but you know in that decision in that whole process of coming to that and he wants to do it so it's not like like if he didn't want to do it I'd be like what other options do I have? But we've done it. He's he's attuned to it. He's adapted. He likes it. We figured out a way to make it really successful for me, even though I'm working. Like we have a really good system. <laughs> it's like it's like a home learn like a homeschooling team. We have like a, we have a teacher. We have he's in an in an online school, so it's not like I'm you know my husband and I are the teachers at all. Like the reason it's success it's successful is because he does really is because we have multiple people. But my point is I had to make the, that decision really quickly to do that, to do make, to, to, to uh, go for the homeschooling piece. And, you know, one of the things I noticed as I was, we were, I was like, oh my gosh, I was calling the school and I was like, oh my gosh, I hope it's like back to like the way it was March 20th, tw- you know, 15th, 2020. You know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of been my, like my, my, this like emotional block I've had with this homeschooling thing is I'm like, I'm not going to put too much energy into it because we're just going to go back when we're vaccinated and like, and then I called the school last week and they were like, they were like, well, they'll have an online option. We don't know anything it's going to look like, which translated to me because I'm an educator. I was like, yeah, we're going to be in the same place we were in August of, or sorry, July of last year with parents having to make 20, um, you know, decisions in the 100th hour. Right. Again, I can, I mean, it, when you're, when you're an educator, you can see forest between trees. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when you're educator to educator, I'm like, I, I hear, I hear you. <laughs> I hear what yeah. you're saying. Is, is where it'll be better than last year. Cause we're more prepared, but like, we're still going to be like in this space of school's going to look different for different people. Right. So I hear that. <laughs> um, and so I was like, okay, well, we're just going to go and homeschool. And, um, and in that I was like, and in that I was like, okay, but like, what is it that you're missing? You know what I mean? That like, you know, what is it that you're missing that you need, that you need to recreate right now? So like, and we took the time when when I had to make that decision, because I was able to name some of the things that like I missed about his school that I loved, right? We like, we like moved to this area of St. Louis specifically for the school system, right? And they they can't do this Reggio Emilia, like Montessori school stuff right now because of, um, because of COVID, right? They can't do yeah. their normal stuff. So I was like, and my son loves that stuff. He is like a hands-on kinesthetic learner. And I was like, okay, well then we're just going to have to create that here now that I have the time and the space and I have some time to plan around it and to do it yeah. in a way that's like COVID friendly and I have some networking so we can do it. So, but, so it's that naming of the loss that was so Absolutely. important for me to have to explore. So I get, I get that. I was like, and for so long until I was sitting with it, the last couple of weeks as he was like, I want to homeschool again next year. And I was like, oh my God, I can't put my head around that. You know what I mean? And then I was yeah. like, let's go ahead and name what's hard about that. What's yeah. hard. Why can't we put our head around that? You know yeah. what I mean? And, and then it was like, oh, it's the missing of the way school used to be. Right. And even the Absolutely. way school now is now is like fine. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> not, not what I, what, not what I would want it to be, you know? So yeah. it's definitely that naming of it and that acknowledging, but that was just, that's just been my personal experience with grief recently. So. And I think that's, yeah, I think naming it, like you said, cause um, Cole explained shadow loss as it's a, a loss in life versus a loss of life. 
because it's like we do yeah. have a name to call it when we lose someone but it's like going through a breakup is just as hard and you know not having the same experience with your kids school and talking to the parents in person and yes. you know like our, our nervous system doesn't know the difference like it's processing it the same way so it's she um in class was kind of saying like it's almost easier it sounds weird but it's almost easier when there's a dead body because then people understand yes. that you're grieving versus if you're like no, I'm going through something with my kid's school. Like, no, like my husband's yes. not calling me back and we're going through a divorce. And so it's, I, it's just as important too. And I think there's a lot of comparing of types of grief out there. And it's like, no, our nervous system is going through it. Whether, what the, no, no matter what you're going through, um, our nervous system is going through it and it deserves recognition and honoring of the emotions. And yeah, yeah. And it's, and I, and I, it, and I think also, like, you know, because I remember, like, something that my therapist and I talk about, you know, is she's always, like, how, like, we don't, like, she's, like, with grief work, we're not, like, replacing it, but we're trying to, like, find the, the truth of the things that we, the loss we experience and reclaim the truth in what we have now. And I love that perspective, you know, because the truth never, never leaves, right? And that's what I love yeah. what she always says. The truth, the, and I think um, Carla Helbert says that in her book too, which I love that book. Yeah, I you love know, that she book. Says, <laughs> yeah, she says the truth never leaves, right? So even when someone dies, the truth of who they are is never is never is never lost. Same with loss of of life, right? The energy yeah. of, the, of the truth behind our experience of those things are never lost. Maybe the physical aspects are, but the loss of the energy or whatever it is that we want is not gone. So we just need to go find ways we, we experience the truth. And I love that. I loved that. Um, that. Carla says it and my own therapist said it and they're both therapists but yeah <laughs> so yeah <laughs> um, I, I love that and it, I think it's a really cool way to be like to create inquiry to be like okay what is the truth about what is lost and um how can I find the truth in my current situation you know in my current external how can I learn how can I feel that truth you know or how can I engage with that truth again you know so absolutely so I thought that was pretty powerful. So, and that could come with naming, you know, when you name it, you can start to feel the truth about it. Absolutely. And you can connect with others too. Mm -hmm. Grief definitely brings um, grief trauma that brings people together. Oh, absolutely. You know, share those experiences with others. And since we're all going through something and I, I think there's an expectation too, like with being quarantined, people are expect to hustle or, you know, start businesses and, do all these extra things and that's amazing for people who are able to but that's a privilege to do so because some people are losing their loved ones in the hospital and can't even visit mm -hmm. them and you know some people are just extra depressed and going through it because they're processing everything so it's there's so much expectation on what we should be doing right now during COVID and it's it's crazy you're like <laughs> we're just trying yeah, to survive <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a minefield is what it is. It's a minefield. My whole, th this whole last week in my life was a whole minefield. So, okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this loss of connection we, we've been talking about. So like why loss is a connector. So can you talk a little bit more about that um, and what that means for you? From your perspective? Absolutely. Um, so I didn't actually realize this until I took my course, but I went to a really small Catholic school. So there were like 35 of us total. Um, and when we were in the sixth grade, um, one of our classmates passed away. Um, and, you know, we're 11 turning 12, and that's just not something you expect is, you know, one of your classmates to pass away. And 
Um, I am no longer Catholic. I left the Catholic church a long time ago, um, but I am so close to these individuals that I've known since I were five, five years old. And we were actually talking about it. And I think it's the death that brought us together. And I realized that recently too, because the people I've connected with in life, they've all lost someone and I've felt a connection to them. So it, it's definitely easier because you have someone to talk about death with, you have someone to talk about the grief with, and it's, it's very hard to find someone who hasn't experienced loss that wants to talk to you about those things or understands, you know, the pain and the emotions that go along with it. Um, I have been on the Zoom calls um, like every night in January and I've met people, you know, through Zoom and we've had some of the deepest conversations I've ever had, like in my life with anybody because we were all there for the same reason. You know, we've all lost people and we all want to help people during that process of transitioning onto the other side. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's such a good connector. It really brings people together and it gives you that reminder um, because it's hard to not think about death daily when you've lost someone. And mm -hmm. I know that sounds morbid, but it gives you that reminder that you just don't know how much time you have. And it, it's always say what you feel. I've been so much better about communicating and saying, I love you. That's not something that's ever been easy for me, but I tell people when I love them, when I care about them and just being so open and vulnerable and just, you know, putting my feelings out there has definitely helped me connect with others for sure. Totally. Totally. It's a reminder so, what's important. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. Yeah. It's kind of like that truth thing, you know, that's the, what, what's the truth, right? um what's the truth and what's what what the truth doesn't change you know I love that yeah <laughs> so the death penalty uh so the, sorry the death positivity movement so um I know we talked about this on our pre-talk so and I've seen a little bit of it like around in the fight I've seen this in our in our um talk before we recorded yeah I've seen a little bit of the this movement you know you've been talking about about the death positivity death on your own terms kind of a thing so can you talk a little bit more about that since this is kind of your niche absolutely I um when I first saw the term death positivity I at first it kind of scared me and I thought it was going to be you know something that was like more toxic like oh I'm sunshine and rainbows about death and it's not at all um I came across it on Instagram actually um a hashtag and then I eventually went back to the hashtag and I was like, well, let me learn a little bit more about it. And I was pleasantly surprised. Um, so the person who made it popular, her name is uh, Caitlin Doty. I think that's how you say her name. Mm -hmm. She's a mortician. Mm -hmm. um, but she mentions that it doesn't mean that you're positive about death and talking about death all the time. It's just that you're interested in it and um, wanting to improve like our culture's view on death mm -hmm. and opening up the conversation because it's, not so taboo in other countries and other places. It's seen as a beautiful, sacred thing. And here it's like, let's not talk about it. You know, we have like violent deaths in movies and then anything that's not in a movie, it's like, we don't wanna talk about it. We don't wanna think about it. So I love opening the conversations up about death. And I think it prepares us, you know, um, and makes us less anxious about it, but it just definitely helps to normalize death and the whole process. And it's seen as such a beautiful thing in other places so it's like why not here like we're just always so like hush hush about it so i just i love that it kind of takes us back to our roots you know and we're on indigenous land and they see it as such a depends on tribes but it's like it's seen as such a beautiful process of going home and guiding mm -hmm. spirits back and other cultures have different views but it's just it's so beautiful so there's actually um 
there's, so there's this book that I recently read called Death Nesting. So it's by Anne Marie Keppel. So she talks about, um, it's pretty interesting. So I just found, I'm gonna open this and share this with you. But she talks about keening. So it's a tradition in Ireland um, and Scotland and it's been done for centuries. Um, other countries do it as well. Um, so she mentions Asia, West Africa and Australia do it as well. But whaling is a death whale um, and it's done in the morning process. So after a funeral, um, so it actually helps our bodies deal with grief, having that sound and having something. Mm -hmm. So there's great people that do it. Um, so they sing in their sorrow at the funeral or wake often on their knees, rocking back and forth. So I thought that was really awesome. interesting, really beautiful. And so I went and I looked up Keating and I found um, a bunch of videos from people doing it in Ireland and Scotland. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful sound of letting it out. And I'm like, imagine if we could do that here, you know, just be on our balconies and just make that beautiful sound or even just taking a really audible breath, you know, because how good yeah. does it feel when you're just like, <sighs> you know, I love doing that. So um, I've actually been trying to read and study about other cultures and what they're doing um, vocalizing death, vocalizing grief. And mm -hmm. I just absolutely love that. So the death positivity movement, just besides opening up the conversation, it just, it brings us together to our roots, whatever our roots are. And when you go back to it, it's like every country has a beautiful tradition um, of things that our people are going back to. And it just really warms my heart. And it, it gives me, it's definitely helped me. The death positive movement has helped me deal with like my, my grandma's death and deaths of friends because I've had friends that have passed away over the last few years as well and um thinking of it in that way has just helped me so much and I think it'll help other people as the movement's continuing to spread um when me, my my grandma I was a Cherokee Apache and so we had a celebration of life because that's what she wanted and um she worked for a Native American center she was a volunteer and they came, they brought these drums and they did this drumming ceremony. It's beautiful. Awesome. And that was just kind of the way they see it is guiding the spirit home, bringing right. the spirits home and transitioning. And it's like the most beautiful. And especially like besides that too, anyone who's there, the drums, like the vibrations in your body that you're feeling, like it just kind of helps. It just helps calm your nervous system, bring up those emotions. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so it's, that's kind of my journey right now is looking at what other cultures are doing too. Is that it makes me so happy to see people honoring the process rather than being mm -hmm. like, okay, someone died, do a funeral and not talk about it again. Right. So yeah. I mean, that's, that's how, how, I mean, that, yeah, that's how I've seen a lot of people address grief, you know, in, is that and I love that I love the I love I love the cultural reclamation that you're going through around it it's it's beautiful and I think like with birth tying to death too like we talk about birth we love talking about like mm -hmm. it's amazing to be like I'm pregnant I'm having a baby and we celebrate it but we don't get to celebrate the death part there's a documentary called alternate endings on HBO and it's actually a very beautiful documentary and it follows different people on there um, pass as they're passing away and we see different traditions um, that are not as common now but people are going back to it and it's it's really beautiful to just give that same care when you're exiting yeah. the world as you enter and it's just yeah it's, it's amazing so I'm hoping more yeah. people talk about it COVID's kind of allowed us to have these conversations and make people more open but I think um, we need to be better about it here because yeah well and I think you bring up a really good point Anna and that is you know, something I realize in my yin classes that I see in some of my, I'm hearing from my students 
and just other yin teachers specifically and yoga teachers in general is um you know i think a lot of students are are people are trying to get when people are trying and are interested in you know raising their lexicon around complex languages like that is what 2020 and 2021 as someone that rides a platform and is around a lot of people in schools and yoga studios and train I see a lot I'm just hearing that that's like the that's the truth right is that is that the thing that has not changed since COVID is that people are trying to find language around hard emotions yeah including including grief you know um yeah and I think that that says a lot and I think kind of with the work you're doing is part of a, pro- a process of what many people um well maybe they're, they're not there right now but I think that they're going to start thinking about mortality and hard topics that we're all having to work with you know in times you know in these times so like yeah I think it's great I'm glad that you're there doing that and kind of being a pioneer with it um for younger generations absolutely so. and I like you said, I don't think everybody is ready or ever will be ready to talk about death and that's okay. But anyone who ever wants to talk about death can always DM me now because it's it's helped me a lot because honestly, like a year ago, I did not want to talk about death or anything relating to. Um, but this has helped me so much. And there's some um, really cool ways of opening the conversation. There's actually a company called The Death Deck. And um, I know it sounds morbid, but it's a, a game and it has cards and it asks you really deep questions just about your life and um, about what you would want, you know, um, when it comes to your transition. And I've actually been playing with people I've never met, like online, but I've met through like the death positivity um, hashtag. So it's been really, really cool. So it's, yeah, there's just a lot of conversations that are opening up and it, it warms my heart, but it's, it's so helpful. It really, it really is. So well, and it's probably That's more fine. meaningful. It's probably more meaningful than the death conversations we've had because we have kids, so we have like a will. So I'm like, those are probably more meaningful yeah. than like, who's your next of kin? You know what I mean? Like all yeah. necessary <laughs> conversations yeah. you need to have if you have, you know, pets or loved ones. I really don't ever have kids. If you have a loved, a loved object, fur baby, whatever, you know, yeah. like, who's your next of kin for your offspring or for for babies right so you know important like, though. <laughs> yeah yeah this isn't yeah it's just as important but I, but yeah those are important but also I was like yeah those are still if you that's a that's an opportunity that if you are making a will get your death duck it's fun too because they'll ask you questions too like it's like if you have like two months to live what would you do would you go on like your dream vacation would you you know stay home would you like apologize to someone so it, it gets you kind of thinking and I think it just helps with your everyday life too because you're like I don't yeah. want to be on bad terms with anybody and boundaries of course you know um but it, it just really helps you be a better human I think like actually well, and live think, and I think just in terms human. of COVID because I've been thinking of, my my brain has been in some interesting places this week you know and you know, something I think about, you know, cause I mean, God, COVID's had me do things. I never thought like, like, I never thought I'd be homeschooling and working at the same time. Like whatever we, we, we figured it out and it's working and we're not like just a new way of thinking, you know, and like thinking about time management, right. It's just a whole different way of thinking about things. But like, um, you know, one thing I remember thinking about was like, so these are your, this is, these are your circumstances, right? how do you live the best in the circumstance, right? And it might be, you know, whatever the circumstances, whether it's two months to live or, you know, n- super not ideal circumstances, right? It's that same, yeah. 
like when things aren't ideal and things are pretty pretty shitty <laughs> like <laughs> what do you do with that how do you what do you do because I think that's a lot of our reality I'm just trying to pair it to things I, I think are universal right now you know yeah. and so I think that like whether you have two months to live or you have or you are sitting in your house with lots of COVID related, COVID era related situations, whether it's unemployment or like whatever. I mean, name the 25,000 things that are COVID related, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, situations that are, that are awful, that we're all just, that are compounding our mental health. You know, I think it's a powerful inquiry to be like, okay, how can I make a life? Who, who said this? One of my, Someone said this recently on our podcast and I can't remember who was it. Okay. Someone said it. I don't know who it was, but if you're listening to you, I, I will find it. But someone said, how can I make a life giving decision? You know, in this, I think it was Corey. Corey said it. There we go. <laughs> I was like, I know. How can we have life giving moments in and also experience death? There we go. It was Corey Angel. I knew it would be someone. <laughs> so how can we have life giving moments? Um, while um, we might be experiencing the de death in some way. And I really, I think that's a lot of us right now. I think a lot of us yeah. are experiencing the death of something right now. Yeah. And so I think that that's a good inquiry that Corey brought to us in, I think, episode three of this. I was like, it's going to come to me. It's going to come. But I thought that was a really great, um, she talks about in, in disenfranchised grief in that episode. And I thought that was a good inquiry from that. That's a good episode. I listened to that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, that was disenfranchised grief. That was awesome. Okay. Um, okay. So let's talk almost. I know we got to get going, but okay. Hold on a second. Okay. So let's just, because we always talk about toxic positivity. Okay. So how can we disengage from the toxic positivity that our culture seems because of the culture we're in? Like, how can we kind of disengage from that, like, and go into more of like a real conversation and creating real presence around this? I think conversation, like you're saying, opening up the conversation, because I think the more we talk about it, the more it'll help people realize, because I think so many people have good intentions when they're, you know, giving us the toxic positivity, you know, they're like, oh, they're in a better place, or oh, that was meant to happen. Everything happens for a reason, you know, when you lose your job or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. So I think people just, since they have good intentions for the most part, learning to listen and hold space for people, like not feeling, because I think we always feel like we need to answer someone or give them answer or advice. I think just being mm -hmm. there for people, you know, and not feeling like you have to be like, oh, I can relate or feeling like you have to say something that's polite um, because it's just more harmful than not. Um, and I, I, I would really, really, really like to see like the yoga community and the massage therapy community, because um, since I've been doing this work, people have come to me saying that they're like massage therapists have been throwing a lot of that toxic positivity on them, which mm. um, is scary to me too, because you are like the emotional release that's happening on the table. Just, and if you are not able to like communicate that or have, you know, your raw emotions, you know, without having to filter them, like you're going to feel like that's not a safe place for you and you need to go somewhere else. Like, I definitely experienced that in a lot of yoga classes and it took me a while to find kind of where I wanted to be as a teacher because I knew what I didn't want to be um, but I think we just need to keep that conversation opening open that conversation about it and I would like to see that added to trainings you know just like trauma-informed and trauma-sensitive yoga is like 
being added to teacher trainings. I think we need to have trainings around grief too and more trainings on trauma and just more on holding space, not trying to fix everything. I think our culture is like, let's fix it. Let's put a bandage on it. <laughs> and we're like uncomfortable you know, with like silence. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was thinking about this today with my own junk I'm carrying right now, you know, and I think that there's something to, I think as someone who's just tends to be an emotional person anyway, and I think that's a good chunk of us that we work with and are on to <laughs> and follow us. I don't think we act alone there. There's a lot of empaths out there. Um, but, you know, I think that there is, I know for me, at least I'll speak from my own experience here. Um, for me, like I know when I'm in situations where I'm full of just my junk, you know, I am so quick to not always greatly judge if some, I think it's a projection. I think if my stuff is too heavy for them. Okay. And, and, um, I'm just saying this because I know that this is, I know just from what I've, what I'm hearing from friends like that, this is a lot of us. (laughs) So I'm just doing through my own experience. Sometimes there can be like a feeling of, my stuff's too, too, too much for someone to hold. Right. And, um, if we're feeling a lot of things that don't have language around it in particular, okay. Because, or we don't have language, new language around, um, around emotion. Yeah. Like grief. I feel like finding grief around trauma and grief together. I feel like it's just a, a minefield and you, it just takes a while to like sit with it and find how to express yourself with it. Cause it's just, it's just hard. It's hard to find clarity in that. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Right. It's why we're in therapy. It's fine. It's help us find clear, clarify a little bit of clarity around what's happening within us. Um, but I think that there is something to just knowing that, that, that like, especially if you're a space holder, that like people that are in the, in your spaces, like, like the best thing you can do, even if you're not, that's not in your intention to, um, make them like feel bad or whatever for, for feeling the way they feel even though it's not your intention, I think it's always good to know what the possibility is. So I'm just g- giving myself as an example, but like, you know, um, you know, people are very quick that are in grief, like lots of people, lots of people, not everyone, but people that are dealing with the con, you know, what, for whatever the reason, like, it's very common to feel like you don't want to be a burden. Okay. You don't want to feel like you're burdening people. And so I yeah. think one of the best things you can do as someone who's also dealing with grief and also a space holder is to just create a space for normalcy around a human experience, right? Like, I think that that can really help alleviate that, like, that sense of like, everyone's burden has these different weights to them, which is, which is not true at all, right? Like, like, you know, everyone has an experience, right? And I think that just being able to look at people through that lens of everyone's having an experience is yeah. normalizes it right like absolutely and I think like for those to, that, that, that go into places and you know that always worried about their space about themselves being a burden on other people like you know it's that that's that the space the, a space holder that, that can just be like everyone's having an experience normalizes everyone's experience and every experience is different right and there's not like and we can just hold that and now we're holding basis for lots of different things and it's situations and it doesn't put like a weight on how heavy something is, you know, so. No, absolutely. I think going off of that too, like being a space holder and knowing 
other people. I think doing referrals is a huge thing too, because mm-hmm. we can't always provide something for everybody. And, right. you know, I know like your yoga class and my yoga class will be so different and it's not going to be the best situation for everybody. And, um, but it can be helpful for others. So I think just like being able to do referrals and not being afraid to be like, oh, go check this person out. Or I think this person has something for you too. And mm-hmm. also just trusting like your body, like our bodies know what we're going through the best more than mm-hmm. any professional, no matter how much training anyone's had, you know? So yeah. I think trusting our body and what we need and someone says, oh no, you need to do vinyasa or you need to do you. And it's like, no, my body just actually needs to just legs up the wallet today and keep it pretty chill. So I think just like knowing your body and, and the options and what's best for you. Yeah, no, 200%. I'm right with you on that one. Yeah. And I think, I think referring out and, um, I think just get letting people be okay with whatever comes up too. I think that's the big thing about, about against toxic positivity is like letting people have an experience and also like, um, creating containers, you know, like whether it's legs up the wall within yourself to have an experience, like, you know, I think that that's like a big thing is, you know, normalizing having an experience and, yeah. And then of course, you know, referring out, you know, for grief groups and, and what's that container, right? How can you have right. that container where you're met with not invalidation, but you're met with compassion and, um, you know, and, um, there's another one I'm looking for, but yeah, compassion, <laughs> <laughs> compassion and nourishment and like just all the support you need, you know, and just right. allowing yourself to feel whatever good, bad emotions. I don't like saying bad emotions, but you know, just like any emotion is okay. And anything that comes up is okay. Yeah, totally. It's okay to not be okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, I think the other thing in like the yoga world too, that I'm, um, that I'm seeing is like, it's okay not to have it figured out. Right. It's okay to like, like not, um, it's just okay for things to be confusing for a while and to be in a fog. You know what I mean? Like you take the next right step, right? Whatever the next right step is, even with getting off the couch, I think that there's something to that that needs to be also needs to be said because like, I feel like sometimes it's like, Oh, I go to the therapist and it's like, well, there might be reasons you can't get, get access to the right therapist right now. So just make that next right step. It may not be the step that helps you shift gears, but just like a shower, you know what I mean? Like yeah, taking absolutely. a shower, things you can control, right? Because there are some things yeah. that we need that we don't have access to for lots of reasons in the here and now, but we know we need. But what's the next right step we can do right now in the short term, you know, that we have control over? I think that's another really great thing to help. That you can help empower people if you're a space holder. What's the next? I always ask, that's what I ask. What's the next right thing you can do? You know, it doesn't matter where you are. That, that step is almost universally designed. Someone may benefit from that. You know what I mean? It's just a good inquiry for people to have in regard. I love that. What's the, what's the next right thing you can do? Great. <laughs> like everyone can do a next right thing, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. so or healthy <laughs> thing or well thing, you know, whatever. So anyway, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anna. And where can people find you again? Like we'll put, put your stuff in the notes, by the way. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm um, safe space with Anna. It's A-N-N-A, double, double N's. Um, so I'm on Instagram right now. I'm actually going to be doing some um, yoga for grief starting in March. I just do like one-on-one right now, but I'm going to be doing some group sessions and they're going to be absolutely free. So cool. I will be putting some more information about that too. Um, I'll slowly be adding some more yoga classes too. Um, 
and then also some self-massage yoga sessions too. So some yummy juicy stuff coming um, just to kind of help calm our nervous systems. And I just know uh, we need more we need more space holders out there too. So I'm, I'm connecting with other people too and I'll be adding resources and stuff too for other people and helping spread that word. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.